This message by Zach Varnell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Zach serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Good morning. You can, uh, you can open your Bibles to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 10. If you need a Bible uh, this morning, you can raise your hand. One of our ushers would love to get you a Bible. If you were with us last week, then you'll remember that today we get to look at part two of the story we've already begun in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, for a brief review, Cornelius, a Gentile, a non-Jew, this prominent and wealthy Roman official who fears God, he had a vision. An angel told him to send for the apostle Peter, and he does. Peter, meanwhile, has his own vision, a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of animals on it. And God was telling him that all animals are clean to eat, and Peter doesn't totally understand what's going on with this. It's contrary to his Jewish upbringing that forbade certain foods. And while he's perplexed and he's thinking about it, right then, Cornelius' men show up and ask Peter to come with them. So, he goes, and there he stands before Cornelius and his family and these friends that he's gathered, these unclean Gentiles. And Cornelius tells Peter all that's happened, how the Lord sent, how the Lord had him send for Peter. Now they're very eager to hear what he has to say. Mike gave me a title last week. Thank you, Mike. It was full of C's, the climactic conclusion of the conversion of Cornelius. I thought I could at least add a couple more, because some might say he was a courteous, courageous, and curious centurion. I'm kidding, that's not the title. But in front of Peter really is probably the most attentive audience in the history of the church. (laughs) What a moment. And I wondered as I was preparing, should we be any less eager to hear from the Lord? Even this morning, because what what Peter spoke to these Gentiles was God's word in that moment. And what he speaks to us today, this morning, is God's word. So let's hear him speak. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. So... Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. 
They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. The late theologian R.C. Sproul says that there might not be a more important chapter in the New Testament. The chapter where the gospel goes to the Gentiles. After this day, after this spreading of God's redemptive purposes to include the Gentiles, after this day, nothing would be the same. Everyone who believes in Jesus is welcomed as his own. Between 1820 and 1920, thousands of Jews fled European cities because of poverty and uh, hate crimes, persecution, murder. They were fleeing for their lives for this promise of freedom that they'd heard about in America or in Great Britain. Particularly in the early 1900s, Jews in Russia faced horrendous treatment under their czar. They were regularly and systematically attacked by organized force, including government officials. Their homes would be shot up and burned. They would be murdered on the streets. Attacks would occur without warning. There's a children's author, Patricia, Patricia Polacco, whose, whose family experienced this very thing. They were ordered to leave Russia, to pack everything in a cart or whatever they can carry and just get out. For months they fled. They, they stayed in barns with other refugees. Sometimes they had to just sleep in their carts. Sometimes they just slept out in the open on the ground. This went on for months. Eventually, their father, who had worked hard to protect and to keep things going, he got sick and he collapsed. But in God's kindness, a doctor found them and, and took them in and sheltered them and nursed the whole family back to health. Yet eventually, too, he was harassed 
for harboring Jews in his home and was told to get rid of them. And so he did. But instead of just kicking them out, he secured for them papers for safe travel, train tickets, and ultimately safe passage to America. He paid for all of it, something they could never pay him back for. And when they finally reached Ellis Island, the daughter of this family, which is uh, the, author, uh, the author's grandmother, the daughter asked her dad, Papa, are the, are the SARS soldiers here too? And he told her, no, they can't reach us here. At the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, the plaque reads, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Thousands fled to America and found hope and freedom and welcome. And as good as those stories are to read, and they are wonderful, don't they point to something even greater, a greater welcome, a greater reality found when Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what's going on in our text this morning. The gospel is breaking social and racial boundaries to make this point. I think it's the main point for this morning. All are welcomed. All are welcomed to receive God's boundless salvation. This, this climatic conclusion of the conversion of Cornelius, it's only the beginning of God's mystery revealed. His salvation that's going to break into every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, people from all over, just like he'd always promised and always purposed. Well, we get to celebrate and participate in today, even as we were thinking about what we're doing this summer. As the gospel goes to the nations, this is where it all began. This is why it's such an important and incredible chapter. So, we're going to look at it today, two scenes. Mike did scenes one to four. Last week, I'll do scenes five and six. We'll see what the Lord has for us today. Just two points, Peter's sermon and God's gracious interruption. So, point one, Peter's sermon. Verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth. The language, uh, it's meant to say something weighty is about to be communicated. Something important is about to happen. One theologian has said that what Peter is about to preach sweeps away centuries of racial prejudice in a moment. Mike talked last week about the tensions and, and the prejudice that existed between Jews and Gentiles. It was the cultural systems they grew up with, separate from, from one another, clean versus unclean, but no more. Peter had been learning something from these visions he had received, and what he sees in front of him now, just think of it, this group of Gentiles, these non-Jews sitting eager to hear God's word. 
God is clearly at work in them. He had orchestrated this whole thing to come about. Peter would have always classified these people as unclean or other, outsiders. But Peter's learning something about the character of God. He's finally getting it. Verse 34, truly, he says, I understand. I get it now. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God really does welcome any who call on him. He's not partial. He's not prejudiced. His his saving grace is not reserved for a specific kind of people. What a glorious thing. Maybe you have, maybe you're one who has experienced prejudice or discrimination. You're one who has, you've felt as an outsider before. Take comfort in knowing that the Bible could not be more clear. God's not like that. The Lord accepts, he welcomes with open arms any who fear him, any who do what is right, or as Peter ends his sermon in verse 43, with everyone who believes in Jesus. That's what it means to fear him, to revere him. It's hard for us to understand how radical this is. You know, thankfully in God's kindness, we've grown up in an age of salvation history where we all believe, yes, God can rescue people from every nation. But in this moment, they weren't so clear on that. It's radically new. Their thoughts of God are expanding. Wow. He's the savior of the world. And informed with this new understanding, confident of God's boundless grace, what then does Peter tell them? He tells them what all people must know, Jew and Gentile alike. You ever get one of those phone calls that begins with, hey, no need to be concerned. Everyone's doing fine. They're all okay. It's not going to be a problem. You ever get that? No one responds to that introduction with, okay, great. Thank you. Sounds good. I don't know what you're talking about, but I hope you have a great day. No one says that. Our natural response is, what happened? What is it? What's going wrong? (laughs) It's the only natural response. It just comes out. Well, when Peter, I think, when Peter realizes, God shows no partiality, The only natural response in that moment is to tell them the gospel. That's what he begins to do in verse 36. Let's read that. Verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter gets to preach the gospel to these Gentiles. This good news 
of peace through Jesus. What an honor Peter had to share this message. What an honor we have to proclaim this message. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus is not just the Lord of a few. He's not just the Lord of a select group. He is Lord of all. And he's Lord whether we acknowledge it or not. You know, we don't give Jesus permission to be Lord of our lives. He is Lord of our lives. And that's part of the good news. It's good. Verse 37 Peter points to how they know what happened. They, they had lived close enough to the, all that had happened in Jerusalem. They, they heard about Jesus and the works. Maybe they had even seen some of the works that he had done. They'd heard of the baptism of John. Jesus was empowered for ministry by the Lord. And this is what his ministry was. This describes it, verse 38. He went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Healing all who were oppressed, doing good. Who is a God like ours? Peter, Peter is preaching the beauty of Christ. He's the image of God. He reveals God to us. In Jesus, we see the heart of God. He is not one who came as this domineering, vengeful czar who was selfish and partial and exacting as so many rulers are and have been. J.C. Ryle says this, when we look on the life of our Lord, how unlike it is to the conquerors who have shaken the world. Run your mind over the long list, Caesar, Alexander, Napoleon, Tsar Nicholas, what marks their victories? Death, wounds, poverty, sorrow, ruin. Then turn to the life of that King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See the amazing contrast. He brought life and immortality to light. He opened up to men hopes for the present and for the future, the way of peace between God and men. Wherever he went, he brought blessing with him. Jesus came preaching peace, not just to those who were near, to those who were far off as well. He came doing good, he's gracious. He came healing. He is merciful. Peter's painting a picture for them. The one who is Lord of all. He's also one you can trust. He's one you can go to and believe in. My clutch went out on my truck a couple of weeks ago when we were at Anthem with the college students. Sarah and I got into the truck. We were going to drive down to the meeting room because after this session, we were going to drive back to Knoxville. And I got in the car and I put my foot down to where the clutch is supposed to be and I couldn't find it. And I looked over at Sarah and I said, where's my clutch? <laughs> like she's supposed to know. Actually, I had the thought, you know, we're with some college students. I had the thought, some of these mechanical guys, they got in here and they took my clutch out and I don't know where they put it. We're on this big hill, and so we had to come down, which is kind of tricky to get down to the bottom of the hill. But all I knew is I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do with this thing. Uh, I think it's kind of dangerous. 
right when we part at the bottom and trying to figure out what are we going to do, who comes into the headlights but Ben Lamar, son of Brandon Lamar, friend of Paxton Jones, the, the, the you know, car gurus and experts. And he, I, t- I just asked one question, and he just jumped in the truck, immediately knew, put me at ease with the situation. In that moment, I'm not going to ask Josh Varnado for help. <laughs> in fact, I don't think I'll ask any of the pastors. <laughs> We're not the people to go to in a moment like this. And, and, and someone else could have told me the information that Ben told me, but... I wouldn't have trusted him. I knew Ben knew what he was talking about. And it put me at ease. Jesus is always reliable. He's he's perfect. He's Lord of all and he's good to all that he's made. The point of the gospel is not to simply share information. The point of sharing the gospel is to share the infinite beauty and matchless worth of Christ our Lord in his person and in his work. That's what Peter was doing with these Gentiles. So it's what these Gentiles needed to see. So do we. So let's look to him all the more. How, how great and glorious and how good our Savior is. Let his love for you invite you to draw nearer to him, to marvel at him and how great and kind and glorious he is. Isaiah 52 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That is Jesus. It's who he is. It's who he is for these Gentiles. It's who he is for us. True true peace is found only in him. You know, others can offer it, but only Jesus can deliver peace. Peace in the book of Luke and, and Acts, it's a synonym for salvation, release from the judgment of God through the forgiveness of sin, freedom to serve and to know and to worship and to fear the Lord. That's true peace, and that's what Jesus secures for us. Verse 39, they, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree but God raised him on the third day. This is how Jesus secures our peace. He was put to death. He was cursed by being hung on a tree in our place. He took the hostility that stood against us. The wrath that our sin deserved was placed on him. He took it and he took it all. But his death was not the end. Yes, lawless, wicked men hung him on the cross, but God raised him up. And his resurrection proved that his defeat of sin and death was over. He was no unrighteous sinner. He's the Lord of life. And through his perfect, sinless life that we receive through faith in him, because of that, we have peace with God. In our sin, we're at war with God. We're at enmity with God, but through faith in Christ, we know peace. 
And, I, and I'm thinking, based on this text today and the prophetic ministry this morning, I think there are people here who need to know peace with God. And I think the Lord wants to give you peace with Him through Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian and you are at war with God in your sin. Receive the offer of peace. Christ defeats all sin. Receive his forgiveness by believing in him. Maybe you're a believer and you feel like your, your circumstances are anything but peace. They're the opposite of peace. They're speaking louder to you than what Christ is offering. But remember what he's done. Your greatest need, fight for faith. Remember your greatest need has been met in him. That's the only source of true peace and lasting peace. He's a perfect savior and he's trustworthy. After he rose from the dead, verse 41, he appeared not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Peter and the other apostles, they were witnesses of all that Jesus did before his death. That's what verse 39 says. And he also ate and drank with Christ after his resurrection. So they're reliable witnesses. You can trust them. They were commanded to preach that Jesus is Lord and judge. You know, Christianity really boils down to that. Jesus Christ is our judge. Not just one day, but right now. Jesus Christ is our judge. That's not a popular message, but it's the only freeing message. The only message that leads to true and lasting peace because the Lord of all, who is the judge of all, has become the savior of all who trust in him. He is the judge, yes, but he's also the lamb who was slain. The lamb of God crucified for sinners. To him, verse 30, 43, how Peter concludes his message, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. Martin Luther says, faith lays hold of what is offered to us in the gospel. Will you receive what is offered to you in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to his people, and by it, God did a powerful work among these Gentiles, and he continues to today. But let's look at what he did with these Gentiles. Point to God's gracious interruption. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. What I love about this is Peter wasn't even done yet while he was still speaking. It makes you wonder, how important is your conclusion? I don't know. God interrupted with a powerful display of his work. It, it reminds us of Pentecost, doesn't it? When the Spirit's poured out on the Jewish believers. Now the Spirit is poured out. 
Peter even says it in the same way we receive it just as we have. The Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles. And the Jews, the, the circumcised who are with Peter, they're not even prepared for this. They're amazed at what's happening. It's an obvious display of God's power and work. And this outpouring of the Spirit, the Spirit falling on all who heard the word, it just confirms the statement Peter began with. God is not partial. Look at what he's doing. It confirms the authenticity of these Gentiles' faith. God has given them real faith in the risen Lord. You know, notice something. God is not stingy with his spirit. Isn't that gracious of him? Again, it it reveals his character. He gives his spirit without measure. He pours it out. It's a picture of his love and his kindness. God is welcoming these Gentiles into the new covenant people. And how they know, verse 46, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. John Pohill says in Acts, speaking in tongues validates that those in view belong to the people of God and have received the Holy Spirit and new covenant fullness. Tongues and, and praising God, they, they affirm this critical moment as legitimate. And, and you just have to think, these, these guys that, that are with Peter and they're observing this, their jaws are just dropped. They can't believe the Spirit's poured out on these Gentiles and taking it all in. It's why Peter responds in the way that he does, the only appropriate way. He says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? Of course not. God has confirmed their faith. Were the Jewish Christians now going to suppress that? No way. And here's the point. The Gentiles did not first have to become like Jews before they could become Christians before they could become part of the new covenant people of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't even give time for that. They received the gospel and they were brought into the family of God. If you are a Christian, the Spirit dwells in you. You know, you might not have had this exact same experience when you became a Christian, Just like we didn't have the same experience when Saul became a Christian. You you might not even have the gift of tongues. Maybe it's something you pray for. It's a good gift Paul encourages us to seek. But the point of these stories is not to say this is how it ought to be. The point of these moments and acts, they're special moments in redemptive history. But what we can glean is if we are believers, the Spirit dwells in us. That should encourage us. The Spirit is with us. He has been poured out into your life. God is eager. Remember, He's he's generous. God is eager to give you His Spirit. He, He gives His Spirit to those who ask. It's a wonderful thing to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. Gives us hope, right? If if God is with us, oh. We have so much hope. We know that he's committed to our good. We're never without his commitment to do us good, and to help us and to lead us. 
You know, there's no magic bullet to fix us in the Christian life, to change us immediately. But with the Spirit, we do enjoy a lifetime of day-to-day faith and walking in Him. J.I. Packer, talking about walking in the Spirit with the Lord, he says this, Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of his life, in every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth, on the basis of God's own commitment, that the best is yet to come. You need hope for your future? The Spirit dwells in you, and He's doing a good work. That's our hope for the future, but even from the very beginning of the Christian life, our lives ought to be filled with praise. That's what these Gentiles did. What's the first thing they did when they trusted in the Lord? They were extolling God, praising His name. So good to do that this morning. It seems like so many issues in our lives, so many issues in my life come from false worship, misdirected worship. That's why I love Sunday mornings. We're realigned to what matters most, God, His Word, His purposes. God alone is worthy of our worship and trust, and praise comes as a right response to recognizing His salvation. When we remember all that we receive in light of what we deserve, how can we not praise Him? Praise Him from whom all blessings flow. So we should encourage one another to praise the Lord. It's good for us. In light of all that he's done, my, my grandfather is in poor health right now, and he's not doing very well. Uh, we call him Big Daddy. That's our grandfather name. He's lived a long life, 99 years, and he loves the Lord. And his favorite all hymn has always been, uh, and I think is increasingly becoming, as I've been visiting with him a little bit, uh, is the hymn, He Touched Me. It tells, a very, it tells in very simple terms of how a true living encounter with Jesus just changes everything. This is one verse. Since I've met this blessed Savior, since He's cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. May the Lord help us do that. May the Lord give us eyes to see what we deserve and yet what we've received. And may it result in just greater and greater, just like these Gentiles, just the natural overflow of our hearts will be praised to the Lord. If you are not a Christian, God, Christ stands as your judge. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God if you are still in your sin. But hear the offer of peace in Christ. Receive the offer of peace in Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. You'll be made new. Everything changed for these Gentiles. They, they got to take on Christ's name. They belong to Him now. That's what their baptism represented. From now on, they don't live for self. They live for him. It's a picture of everyone who's been purchased by the blood of Christ. This is the freedom of the Christian life, and it's offered to all.
I love at the end of our verses that they asked Peter to remain for some days. <laughs> I bet. Don't you love that? Peter stayed with them, which meant he ate with them and he fellowshiped with them. No doubt he continued to teach them. But their hunger wasn't, uh, wasn't satisfied. They kept hungering for the word of God. But those are some memorable days, memorable days for Peter and these Gentiles, fellowshipping together in ways they probably never thought possible because the gospel unites like nothing else can. So what are we to take away from this incredible story of Acts 10? Acts 10, it's about the gracious initiative of God from beginning to end, orchestrating all things to bring about his boundless grace. And just like those Gentiles, we too should be so grateful because of what took place on that day, we get to enjoy today. The gospel reached the Gentiles, and from there, the gospel has now reached you and me, all because of God's initiating and undeserving, or grace for undeserving sinners. It's all his doing. It really is marvelous in our eyes. All are welcomed to receive God's boundless salvation. He's Lord of all. He's judge of all, but he's savior of all who trust in him. Galatians 3 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What a vision that God holds out for us. You know, not every family who wanted to get out of Russia could. Some couldn't afford it. Some died trying. Not every arrival to America was celebrated. For many, they were met with hardships. They were actually met with further prejudice. The end of one trial in Russia began a whole new set of difficulties in America for many of these migrant families. But those faint glimmers of hope and belonging and freedom they are echoes of what Christ alone can bring. That's why our hearts long for them. No one is excluded who hopes in the grace of God found in the gospel. And this hope is going to be ours for eternity. And we're going to hope in it together. Isn't God's grace amazing? Let's praise him and pray and thank him for it. Lord, you are the glorious God of salvation. And we thank you that your salvation is for all people, all peoples, nations, tongues, languages. Lord, you save a people from all these places. And our, our prayer is that, Lord, you would only continue to do that. Pray that you'd allow our church to be part of bringing the gospel to the nations. We pray that you would cause more and more people, even here in Knoxville, to come to know you and to worship you. I pray that our church would be characterized by praise and thanksgiving and extolling God for how great you are. We thank you, Lord. You've revealed to us through your word your character, your kindness, your goodness. 
And pray that, Lord, you would help us to put our trust in you, Jesus, who is Lord of all. Thank you that you are Savior of all who trust in you. We pray for your, your help to really believe in his name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Zach Varnell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.